0: Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. I'm your host, DeWitt, and welcome to our Week 4 Preview Show. Now, of course, I'm joined alongside my co-host, Nicholas Moriano, and we're set to preview everything that you need to know before the big divisional game this week between two, two and 2-1 NFC North teams, the Minnesota Vikings, and our Chicago Bears. Nick, obviously, I was excited to maybe have you test out a new mic, but that didn't come to fruition this week, but I'm excited to test that out. Uh, potentially before our post-game show. But outside of the whole mic discovery process that you and I have been going through, how's your week been?
1: Uh, it's been hectic, honestly, Will. Just uh, grad school has really picked up. So uh, that's why I wasn't obviously on the post-game show on Monday night. I was in class, but it's just been busy. Yeah, and I just haven't had time to test test out the Yeti here. So hopefully in due time uh, over a you know, post-game win on Sunday, hopefully I'll get to test that out.
0: We'll find out, but uh, let's go ahead. I'm excited. This is a big game because the loser to this game more than likely is going to be A, in the basement of the NFC North, and B, 0-2 in the division. And that's a tough hole to kind of work your way out of. So even though it's week four, it's a very important game for our Bears. And I want to go ahead and begin today with the Chicago Bears offense. And let's start with Mitch. We typically do so, but again, it's a great starting point to kind of set up the other parts of this conversation. And of course, Trubisky, he's coming off that three-touchdown game. We're all thankful that that touchdown seal is officially broken but that was against a pretty poor defense that had plenty of secondary issues for Washington. But now with Minnesota coming to town, it's an entirely different story. Things are going to get much more difficult. In Mitch's four games against Minnesota, he averages about 60% completion of his passes, only 159 yards per game, less than a touchdown, 0.5 touchdowns per those four games, and 0.8 interceptions. So usually he's a non-factor. So, Nick, let's look at last week and project forward. What sort of game are you envisioning out of Trubisky and why so?
1: You know, I think what we want to see out of Trubisky is just efficient and being able to hit, you know, those short passes that Matt Nagy has really called up through three games this season. And he did do a better job of that on Monday night against the Redskins. Uh, you know, it's just kind of weird going on Twitter and just seeing that even though Trubisky did have the three touchdown game, the interception, went 25 31. He played an awful game. He was terrible. He was worse than what he was in the previous two games. Like, that's not the case. People, I think, are expecting Mitch Trubisky to just have a perfect game, hit every single throw. Not even the best quarterbacks in the league hit every single throw. I get there's times where he's missing passes and you wish that he wasn't, but I thought he definitely made, you know, steps in the right direction last week. But I think in terms of what this Vikings defense can do, which is still a very good unit, you just want to see him put the ball where only his receivers can get it and just be efficient and be accurate, especially from the pocket, because I think that's what teams are now doing. They want to have Mitch Trubisky throw from the pocket because he hasn't been running a lot this season. I think the only first down he has due to his legs was a week one matchup on the first drive of the season against green Bay. So he hasn't really done that much in that aspect of his game. So they're really asking him to just throw from the pocket. I think if he is going to be successful in that, just has to be efficient and accurate. But this is a tough Minnesota Vikings defense, so he just has to be spot on with his ball placement.
0: Oh, he does, because if he has some of those accuracy issues, uh, in particular the throws you know, in the intermediate range that we've seen so far this season, you better believe the safeties, Harrison Smith, Anthony Harris, they're going to make that Bears offense pay for those type of mistakes. And in a game like this, you can't have them, so that's something that you must avoid. Strubisky has sailed on a few of his passes this year, uh, especially when you get past the sticks on those throws. And again, if if his mechanics aren't there, whatever the case may be, if he airmails one, those safeties are usually in a prime spot to go ahead. And intercept those passes. Now, Nick, I know you're talking about last week and you believe that Mitch did have a better game than most of, you know, people are kind of wanting to believe or just accept. Uh, But I would say my one, not gripe, but and not even complaint, but my one still maybe small issue would be the lack of passing downfield. I believe the vast majority of his throws were less than 10 yards, but I don't think this is the game where you start seeing him push it further down the field. Do you?
1: Uh, Probably not. But even going back to that week 17 matchup last, you know, last season, he did have Well, I think it was a 41 yard. uh, It was not a touchdown pass, but he connected with Taylor Gabriel along the left sideline in Minnesota. So, I mean, it's obviously different year, different scheme with the defensive side and just different players in general with now Anthony Harris being that safety back there. But it's not it's it's not like it can't be done. But it's just not likely against the Minnesota Vikings. And, you know, Anthony Harris already has two interceptions on the season uh, at that free safety position for the Vikings. But you would like to see more of it. I mean, Mitch did connect with Taylor Gabriel on that – you know, just a beauty pass in the right mm-hmm. corner of the end zone against the Washington Redskins. Again, Redskins versus uh, the Minnesota Vikings here. The difference in defenses is pretty significant, but I pro- that's probably not going to be the game plan for Matt Nagy to attack them vertically with the deep passing game. I would think it's going to be similar to what you saw against the Redskins where it's really short passes, trying to just move your way down the field. And, of course, you're going to have the running game involved as well. But, yeah, I wouldn't expect it to be a lot of deep shots against the Vikings this week. I mean,
0: looking at Minnesota, they're only allowing 5.9 yards per pass, and that's a pretty good number. And our guest on Tuesday, Sam Ekstrom, talked about how even that number and the completion percentage, which is over 70% allowed by the Minnesota Vikings this year, is due to week one and week three, some garbage time, uh, the prevent defense. So Minnesota is still even a little bit better than some of these stats even indicate. When I'm looking at Mitch, for me, I think it's a success is really going to depend on the run game. And we'll talk about them in a little bit. But when you're looking at his two victories over Minnesota, the Bears had over 100 yards on the ground in each of those. So I think that's another recipe that the Bears need to find a way to follow. So for me, I'm envisioning a kind of a hybrid game plan between what we saw week two and what we saw week three Uh, in terms of when they pass. Obviously for me, I think you're going to see a lot of simple routes and quick throws a little bit. What we saw last week, uh, because especially because that edge presence that Minnesota has, I mean, you're not really going to allow Mitch to go off. So for me, I'm not expecting a ton of deep shots, especially those safeties that we've talked about. You got to be safe. You got to be simple to me. This is a game where I want to see them do what they did versus Washington in terms of the game plan through the air, but I don't want to see him throw it too much. I don't think I want to see him throw that ball over 25 times, which goes back to the Denver game. So if, to me, it's going to be a hybrid approach, and we did see two entirely different offenses from Week 2 to Week 3, and I visioned, like I said, some sort of middle ground here in Week 4 against this Vikings defense. Anything else on Mitch or the passing game in general? We're going to talk about the matchups in just a moment. But anything else on Mitch specifically that you want to hit on, Nick?
1: Yeah, so he talked in his press conference earlier in the week that if the Bears' offense runs tempo, it's something that he's familiar with, that he's been doing. That he did in North Carolina, that he did in his high school days, and it's something that he's used to and likes doing. And you saw that against Washington on Monday night, where they started doing a little bit of tempo. You had the offense had success, and also just get him outside the pocket. He says he's really comfortable when you can just get out there and just you know play ball in a sense, just kind of like you're out you know in the backyard, just throwing to your receivers or throwing to your friends or whatever it may be. That's what I kind of want to see integrated also within this game plan have a little bit of balance attack of course with the rushing attack but tempo get out get mitch trubisky outside the pocket and just let it fling it to where it's going to either be in the receiver's hands or it's going out of the bounce don't have to you know put yourself in a bad position where there's maybe two defenders or a lot of defenders in the area but i think that's also going to put mitch trubisky and this bears offense in line to have success against the vikings on sunday
0: Good stuff there, Nick. I saw a comment here from Luke Johnson467 on Periscope. He says he likes the podcast. Seems professional. I like that feedback. He's also upset there's only 10 people watching on Periscope right now, but that's Periscope. So if you want more of uh, Luke, if you're listening still, head over to YouTube. Plenty of people in that chat over there for you to, to kind of hang out with throughout this podcast. But up next, we're going to go ahead and discuss the playmakers that can help Trubisky out this week. But before we do, I do need to call a quick timeout to tell you about the new sponsor of our show this season. Wrigleyville Sports, because we're excited to partner with them because they're one of the premier Chicago sports merchandise stores in the entire city. So if you're looking for any of the latest Bears gear, they have it. Hats, sunglasses, T-shirts, jerseys, men's, ladies, kids, memorabilia in general. Make sure to check out WrigleyVilleSports.com. And since you're listening to the show, obviously you get a pretty sweet deal. And we have a promo code, a special one just for our listeners. It's called Audible. It may sound familiar. A-U-D-I-B-L-E. That gets you all 15% off and free shipping on any order of $25 or more. And before the show, I was just kind of checking out their inventory. They have a pretty sweet Club Dub t-shirt that I'm going to have to get myself that I want to wear in these post-game shows. After we win some games. So that shirt is technically over $25. So this promo could apply to that. And again, this deal does run all season, but check out this deal as soon as you can over at WrigleyvilleSports.com to use our promo code AUDIBLE, A U D I B L E, and you get 15% off and free shipping at any order of $25 or more. All right, Nick, moving ahead. Let's take a look at those battles in the secondary this week. Taylor Gabriel, he's still in that concussion protocol, something that we do need to monitor throughout the rest of this week and, of course, over the weekend. Uh, But the Vikings' defense itself, they're just outside of the top 10 in terms of receiving yards allowed per game. So let's go ahead and take a look at the matchups that can either make or break some of the success on offense. So, Nick, when you're looking at Minnesota's defense, and, of course, you're comparing that with the the weapons, the playmakers that the Bears have on offense – uh, do you have any battles in mind that either you like in our favor, or ones that you just want to stay away from?
1: Well, it's actually just one that I'm interested in watching, to see who wins this matchup because it's going to be the best of the best for each team. That's going to be Anthony or uh, uh, Allen Robinson and Xavier Rhodes. Those two are the premier players on, you know, the wide receiver position for the Bears and the cornerback position for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Xavier Rhodes, I'm pretty sure he's also a guy that will uh, at times like travel with the number one. So he's a guy that you don't want to really, I mean, you're going to have to test at some point because he's going to be lined up on Allen Robinson and you got to see if Robinson can win that matchup and very savvy route runner can win a lot of his one-on-one matchups at the line of scrimmage just with his get off. But that's going to be one where I know regardless if, he's covered up Mitch Trubisky is going to at least give him a chance so you just got to be calculated with the chances that you take against him just like he did last week against Josh Norman the one time he actually tests him you know he gets picked off so you just got to be calculated when you're actually going to take those chances with a premier cornerback like Xavier Rhodes but that's just a matchup um, between those two that I'm really looking forward to watching what would
0: you say if I told you I have Alan Robinson but that's not my matchup
1: I do have him in the slot against not Mar- Marquise Alexander. Or yeah, not Mackenzie Alexander because he's injured. But is it Mike Hughes?
0: It is, and that is one of Trubisky's college teammates. Just want to point that out as well. A little connection there. But I do have that matchup, and you're maybe wondering why do you have that matchup? Well, I don't know if you know this, but Allen Robinson actually leads the Bears in slot snaps this year. He has six catches, 43 yards from the slot. Anyone else on this team, Nick? No other Chicago Bear has more than six receiving
1: yards from the slot this year. They should really involve, you know, get that one guy, Anthony Miller, involved at some you, point. You would That'd think be great. He, That'd, be yeah, great. And I, he doesn't even
0: have it. That guy that I'm talking about, with the six receiving yards, that's Cordero Patterson, not Anthony Miller. In the slot. The Bears are doing a very poor job of utilizing that position right now. And that's something that you and I should take a harder look at. But when I was prepping for this podcast, I was like, WTF, really? Like, Allen Robinson, Uh fine. But no other Bear having more than six receiving yards, one lined up in the slot? That's crazy. I mean, that blows my mind. That's Egregious that you were almost a quarter of the way through the season and that's a stat with all the playmakers his offense has and the slot's such an easy position to get open one-on-one matchups let's look what the Patriots do with Julian Edelman and again you just do those quick routes some option routes and you're good to go but Allen Robinson has been the most productive bear in the slot so I'm looking at Uh, Mike Hughes, who this is his second game for him this season. Uh, He did debut last week due to that injury that you talked about, uh, and he was the nickel corner for the entire game. He had some ups and downs. It wasn't a perfect game, but it wasn't a terrible debut for him either. So this could be a mismatch going up against one of the best, well, sorry, the best wide receiver on the Chicago Bears for Hughes. So that's some matchup I'm watching. Other than that, I'm looking at Trey Waynes. Uh, just go after him. I don't care who it is. He's the most targeted corner on the Vikings. He's allowing the highest pass rating on the team, a whopping 115.6 through three games. And then lastly for me, and then I'll go back to you. I'm sure you have more here, Nick. I have Trey Burton versus the linebackers in general. Minnesota have, I don't know if you were looking at the stats, but they allowed two very big days from tight end so far. Uh, Hooper in week one, he had nine catches, 77 yards Waller last week, 13 catches, 134 yards from the tight end. So obviously that could be a mismatch, but Burton only 25 receiving yards on the year. But Nick Austin and I, we talked about this on the post game show that he looks like he's getting healthier week by week, starting to look more like himself. So maybe this is the time where Trey Burton fully gets involved. His best game against Minnesota last year was the season finale He had five catches, 33 yards. Obviously I'm hoping for a little bit more than that this week, but if the Bears can find a way to get Trey Burton involved and any slot receiver involved, I'd be okay with that. How about you, Nick? Any other matchups?
1: Yeah, so it's whether or not Anthony will should be healthy going into this uh, game on Sunday, but that's a guy, what I, what I saw from the film, even just last year and even a couple times this year, it's like he's, he's a guy that you'd rather him go rush the passer as opposed to being coverage. And this is where, it, you know, offenses can take advantage of that, where he's not as good in that pass coverage. So whether it is the running backs or like a guy that you were just talking about, Trey Burton taking advantage of that matchup, that's someone I like. And Eric Wilson was the guy who filled in for him. So we'll see who ends up playing that, uh, that uh, what was it, strong linebacker. So, again, I'm looking at that matchup again because the Bears running backs, they can exploit that matchup with these Vikings linebackers like you were just saying. So we'll see who ends up playing, but that's one I'm definitely looking at.
0: All right, let's go ahead. Let's move forward. Offensive line has a task and a half ahead for them this week. They're going to have their hands full against Minnesota. Uh, that Vikings defense already has 10 sacks on the year. They're sacking quarterbacks on over 8% of all the snaps, and that's at a top 10 rate. And we already know the importance of, A, protecting Mitch, uh, especially against the Vikings in that advantageous secondary uh, because they do allow quarterbacks or force quarterbacks into interceptions at the 10th best rate in the NFL. Uh, But this does extend further because Minnesota also leads the NFL with 19 tackles for a loss. So the battles in the trenches is going to be huge for the Bears in many facets. Assets, but starting in terms of uh, pass protection, Nick, is it just the two edge guys? Because, I mean, that seems like, you know, for me, where all the money's at.
1: It is. I mean, that's where the strength of this Vikings defensive line is at with Everson Griffin and Danielle Hunter. Those guys can get after the quarterback. And Everson Griffin's looking really good, even though he's he's a little older. He's one of the older guys on that Vikings defense. Is a very veteran group. But he, it's like he's having a resurgence and just playing very well to already have two sacks on the season for the Vikings. So he's been playing really well for them. So again, uh, Bobby Massey obviously didn't play last week. Um, and then you have Charles Leno jr. Those are going to be the, the ones that keep uh, again, Mitch upright. And you have to make sure that if you don't win those one-on-one matchups on play, you know, on each of every play, Mitch needs to be able to get outside the pocket somehow because those guys can wreck a game plan for you offensively, similar to what Leonard Floyd and Khalil McAdoo. Not the same level, I would say, but they are the strength of that Vikings you know, defensive front, and you just got to make sure those tackles, if they can't do it one-on-one, you have a David Montgomery or maybe the tight end just chip block just to give Mitch a little extra time, even if he has to get outside the pocket. But, yeah, it's going to be one or loss with those tackles and how they play in this game.
0: Now, I want to know which one you're worried about more. You're going to have uh, Daniil Hunter on Bobby Massey. Hunter, he does have one sack in each game this year. He's second in the NFL as well with five tackles for a loss. But Bobby Massey has been very well uh, this season. He's only allowed three pressures this season. I know he missed a game, but even before then, he's been doing pretty decent. But then you have Everson Griffin on Charles Leno Jr. Griffin has two sacks this year. He's started in the NFL with 19 pressures. And Leno Jr., he has allowed eight pressures, which is the most on the team. So is it Griffin versus Leno Jr. that worries you? Well, I mean, both can worry you, but I want to know which mm-hmm. one's more. Or Hunter versus Bobby Massey.
1: I'm actually going to go Hunter versus Bobby Massey. I think Hunter just with that quick get off. And that's where that's an area where Bobby Massey has struggled with throughout his careers with guys that can get that quick get off on him and then just being able to bend to get to the quarterback. Hunter has all that and he's just an athletic freak. So that's the one that I'm really worried about. I know like I was just, you know, talking up Griffin, but I just like that matchup better than Hunter versus Bobby Massey. So, again, it's the tough matchup for both those tackles, but if I had to choose one that I felt more confident about, I'm going to go with uh, Charles Leno Jr. versus Everson Griffin.
0: Perfect. Yeah, I'm not perfect. <laughs> I mean, obviously <laughs> yeah. it's a, it's not a great situation, but I, I get your point for sure. And Bobby Massey, uh, he's been practicing. It looks like the vertigo has kind of uh, worked itself out. And for those wondering, hey, what's vertigo? I mean, I'm not a doctor, but it is like some sort of ailment that does kind of make you f- lose your sense of balance and your equilibrium. So everything's kind of spinny and woozy and yeah, not an ideal situation to have. And obviously he's back to practice with this week. I'm sure it is an episode and I'm sure he's dealt with this for quite some time. We've gotten lucky that it hasn't really affected him all too much besides last week. But uh, for me, one other guy to, I'd say, to worry about would be Linval Joseph. He has two sacks this year. Uh, He is in those base packages as an interior off defensive lineman and really the only interior guy that's been really doing much of anything for the Vikings. So Linval Joseph is someone who we should also be paying attention to as well. All right, let's go ahead and peek into the Bears' backfield. David Montgomery, he continues to handle the bulk of the carries. I don't think anyone's going to complain about that. Minnesota's defense has been pretty good at stopping the run, even though they did allow Aaron Jones to rush for over 100 yards a couple weeks back. But outside of that, they've been pretty decent at stopping the run. But there's a chance that David Montgomery gets into a groove this week and something that we've been waiting for, for him to fully pop. So, Nick, is this the game where Montgomery pops or clicks or has that big breakout game that we've been waiting for? We've seen flashes.
1: We have seen flashes. I don't know if this is the game, though. That is a tough front seven for the Minnesota Vikings, and they're pretty – they stick to their assignments. They're not going to see a lot of breakdowns in that defense. But if you know, we see David Montgomery continue to get the bulk of the carries, which he has. He got 13 last week or on Monday against Washington, and Mike Davis only had one. So you see from week one to week three – just how the the handoff, the carries have gone. And it, it's just, it's better off if the Bears have David Montgomery out there. But with more opportunities, there could be a chance that David Montgomery can break one. You saw the patience that he showed on that one run against Washington on Monday night, where he's just kind of sitting behind the line and bounces mm-hmm. out to the right side. So that's something to where if the Vikings defense uncharacteristically just gets out of their lanes or flows to one side as opposed to the other, David Montgomery has shown that he can exploit that. So, but I'm going to say that it's probably not the game where he breaks out. Uh, it would be nice if it did, but I just don't think it's going to happen against this Minnesota Vikings front seven. Is that more
0: Montgomery or the offensive line? Because when I'm looking at Aaron Jones and what he was able to do, I'm like, I think Montgomery's better. I just don't know if he's having the guys in front of him to really, you know, set him
1: up as the way that we need. You know what, with that, again, that game was kind of weird With between the Packers and the Vikings. The Packers went up early, so I think they were just running it more in general, Given again, more opportunities to Aaron Jones in the first place. But I think this one's just going to be close throughout, so maybe we might not. We obviously want to see the balance there between the run and pass, but I just don't see, I don't know if it's technically the offensive line or David Montgomery. I just got to give it to the Vikings defense for just being able to contain uh, this Bears rushing attack.
0: I do believe that the Bears could get some one-on-one matchups in the at least blocking scheme uh, with some of these edge guys because even though we're worried about Griffin and Hunter in terms of you know, getting after Trubisky, they haven't been overly great in their run defense this year. So that is an area along the edges the Bears could perhaps— get this running game going a little bit. So there's potential for it. And I'm not going to say you're going to see 150 day from David Montgomery. Maybe not yet. Maybe there's another section of the game where I can you know, show that I can kind of bring that out on. Uh, but right now I do envision the Bears sticking to the ground game a lot like they did against Denver uh, setting up Trubisky for some third and manageable situations. They did that last week too, with the short passing game. So maybe it's going to be a hybrid approach, like I was mentioning, but the running game to me is very, very imperative for this bears offense. If they find a way to flop and not run this ball, it's going to make life very difficult for the entire offense. So it's very important that they find a way to get it done. Is there anything else on either the Vikings' defense or the Bears' offense, Nick, that you wanted to kind of bring to my attention?
1: You know, I think just the big takeaway when watching these two units when they're on the field is that the Vikings are going to want to make Mitch Trubisky really pass his football. That's the one. That's what they're going to want. That's, they think they're going to... That's their advantage to winning this football game. And it's going to be whether or not Mitch can actually do that. And I think the game plan that Matt Nagy had versus Washington was a good one, one that was balanced. You saw those in – they weren't just typical bubble screens. They were inside screens to, you know, Trey Cohen coming out of the backfield or Trey Burton uh, that went off to the left side over there. So it's like these unique the different variations. I think that's what we need to see against the Vikings because that's a veteran group that's seen, you know, Everything really from an offensive standpoint. So it's it's gotta be this balance and Mitch Trubisky just being accurate and decisive with decisions, but that's gonna decide whether or not the Bears offense can even move the ball against the Vikings and who will end up putting points. Uh it all gonna come down to that unit and whether Mitch Trubisky can hold up to it.
0: All right. So for me, red zone third down, looking at the red zone, the Bears are improving. Uh they're fourteenth in the NFL scoring on sixty percent of the red zone trips. Still need to get there a little bit more often, uh, but again, we're only entering week four here plenty of time. Minnesota has actually been uncharacteristically on char- on pretty bad in the red zone, allowing touchdowns on 72% of trips, which is 25th. And then on third down, uh, the Bears did better last week, uh, but again, it was against a very poor third down defense in general. The worst in the NFL actually entering last week. Minnesota, sixth best, only allowing teams to convert on 29% of third downs. And Nick, I think I just saw your Adams apple move up and down. I feel the same way looking at that stat too. But it's time to find out who has the edge here, and I'll go ahead and begin. I have the Bears offensive line versus the Vikings pass rush. And I'm going to have to give it to the Vikings pass rush here with Griffin and Hunter. They worry me this week, uh, especially with Charles Leno Jr. He's not playing like the tackle that we know of him to be. He has not been the same guy that he's been the past. So Trubisky's blind side may be in trouble, and if so... I mean, that gets me a little bit worried. So, for me, looking at the Bears' offensive line that has not been the best at protecting Mitch and Minnesota, that's been doing a damn good job of getting it done so far, you're going to have to be honest here. I'm going to have to give it to uh, the Vikings' pass rush. But, Nick, over to you. How about the Bears' rushing attack versus the Vikings' run defense? That's a tough one.
1: Yeah, it's a toss up. I think it's like, it's honestly like a coin toss as to who's going to come out on top here. Um, You know, I'll give it to, you know, actually I'll give it to the Vikings in their, their deep than that, uh, rushing defense. I think they just have a really good group and it's gonna, I guess the, it's really due because of the bears offensive line as of Mm -hmm. right now, you know, up three weeks now, they haven't played like the unit we saw in 2018. That was one of the better units in the NFL, just showing that cohesion, that chemistry. I don't. I don't think it's like the move from James Daniels to guard to center. I don't know if that's it because that's a a lot of weight being put on that exact position. Maybe that's the bias in me because he went to Iowa and that's maybe what it is. I see Will making faces. Maybe that could be it. (laughs) But they just haven't played uh, to my level of expectation. So I'm going to have to give it to the Vikings actually. All right, and this one we
0: share. So it could be a sweep and not one that we want, but uh, the Bears passing attack versus that Vikings secondary. Where are you going?
1: Oh, man. I think I have. Look, Mm, I'm going to go. I have to give it to the Vikings again. I really do. Um, So we've only really seen. Okay, look, or not Anthony Miller, Taylor Gabriel had three touchdowns. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen this week. It's just not. And the other wide receiver, the only wide receiver that's really been a factor is Allen Robinson. We haven't seen much from Anthony Miller. I think he had, what, a catch? uh, 15 yards, yeah. Yeah. So we haven't seen much from the wide receivers or Trey Burton. He's just now getting healthy. But other than, what, Trey Waynes, that's a pretty good you know, secondary that the the Vikings have back there outside of maybe my Hughes, who's still uh, just filling a spot there. But you just got to give it to the Vikings. It's the strength of their team. It's their defense. And it's going to be the when we do the exact opposite. It's going to be the same. You're right. Same exact thing. So you have to give it. I have to give it to the Vikings in this uh, matchup here as well.
0: Yeah, same here. I was trying to stifle my laugh because that's like the third time you've accidentally said Anthony Miller and he meant someone else. So I know yeah. you're really trying to get him involved just as much as yeah. hopefully the Bears offense is trying too. So I found that to be a little prophetic on your end, Nick. But yeah, no, Viking secondary. I mean, the safeties are, you know, one of the best tandems in the league. And then the corners, I mean, we they've been around the block. And even though I was poking at Trey Waynes, I mean, he's still been playing a decent year. It's not like he's been, you know, totally terrible and then the one spot's nickel and even then it's like well can you really just rely on the one and the Bears offense hasn't really proven to us that they can push the ball down the field so to me yeah broomstick for the Vikings here they're going to take the
1: edge in all three categories what's going to be the X factor Nick the x of course it would be tricky but i think if the bears can actually run the ball this is going to be the x right cuz you can get mitch outside the pocket that play action i was talking about tempo him just being on the run on the move that's going to be huge but it's all going to stem off the run game and David Montgomery. So I think he's the X factor in this one because look, even when he is, there's no kind of lane for David Montgomery. He still finds way to get two, three yards somehow, some way. And that's really important against a stingy defense. that doesn't like giving up maybe those easy yards, but if David Montgomery can do that, that's just going to put this offense in better positions. You know, maybe not those third and long situations. You can even be in a third and five as opposed to third and seven, third and eight. That's a huge advantage for the Bears offense, whether they get it or not is the question. But it still will help this offense. But I think David Montgomery, if he can get those tough yards, that's going to be huge for this Bears offense.
0: And I talked about how I want to see them attack the edges. If they can do that properly and block correctly, you can get Montgomery some really good one-on-one matchups with a defensive back or two, which can really spring this offense forward. So for me, weirdly enough, Nick, I have the run game slash David Montgomery here in my notes. I mean, we've talked about it. If they can run this ball, the game's going to be so much easier for this offense. And if they can't, and the, ha- the game goes right into the hands of Trubisky. And I'm wary about that with all the pressure Minnesota can bring. And it's going to be real tough sledding here for this offense. So for me, this real simple formula here.
2: It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep the facility running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you Raymond in Buffalo and Maria in Miami, Jules in Minneapolis, and Stan in central Indiana taking control of everything that's under your control. At Grainger, we're here for you, with experienced branch staff at over 250 locations so you get the product you're looking for. Call, com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
0: I mean, if you don't run the ball, everything may implode. And if you if you do run the ball, you open up the playbook. So it's really, it's the X factor. I really think this is the X factor of this game, and I'm glad that you and I came of. Came to the same agreement here, Nick. But all right, that's it for the offense. And I feel (laughs) confident. All right. Let's go ahead. We're halfway through the show. Let's turn the tables. Let's look at the Bears defense. And now I can smile. A unit that created a whopping five takeaways just a couple of nights ago. And let's start up front because things are starting to get thin. Uh, we know that Bilal Nichols, he's still dealing with a broken hand. No magic wand that can fix that overnight. Akeem Hicks, he has a, he had to exit the game last week with a knee injury and he hasn't gone into practice yet this week and it was said that he's going to be a game time decision. So the problem here can be twofold if this is bringing true. Uh, if Hicks is unable to go on top of Nichols, it could affect the Bears' ability to put pressure on Cousins, which defense is already having a hard time doing. He is the second least pressured quarterback in the NFL this season per dropback, so not overall because I know they don't throw a lot, but per dropback, he's still the second least pressure quarterback. And on top of that, the Vikings have a chance to take away some of that Bears' ability to stop the run. And they're going up against a Vikings offense that possesses the NFL's leading rusher and Dalvin Cook and a very effective rookie and Alexander Madison. So now, obviously, uh, we'll talk about the pass rush matchups, Nick, just in a little bit. But just our expect uh, just for me. I wanted to ask you: You have Eddie Goldman. Uh, he's the only true starter right now for the defensive line. So what's your confidence in the whole unit if it's Eddie Goldman, Roy Robinson-Harris, Nick Williams, and Abdullah Anderson this week if there's no Akeem Hicks?
1: Yeah, I mean, when you lose a guy like Akeem Hicks, that's a huge blow to your defense. Even as good as you know that defense is for the Bears, you're still missing one of the best interior defensive linemen in, in the league, no doubt about it. But you still got to be confident in what this Bears defense can do with or, you know, without Akeem Hicks. And Eddie Goldman is no slouch whatsoever. He's a guy that will eat up these double teams and make it hard for Dalvin Cook, even though he's had success so far through three games this season, to run the football effectively. And I think what the Vikings like to do, they don't like to be in 11 personnel a lot. So they're just going to bring extra tight ends. Actually, they run 11 personnel, the least amount of any team in the NFL, they're Ranked dead last and the times they'll actually put out three wide receivers on the field. So that means you're gonna most likely have three defensive linemen on the field at the same time for the Bears. It just is not uh it doesn't work in their favor if Akeem Hicks is not out there because he's such a great player. I'm still confident in the group. Look, Akeem Hicks, again, you can't really replace that production, but that defense it, it, it's not just one player. There's multiple players that make that defense great and I really like what I've seen out of Nick Williams this season and just even going back to training camp and you know preseason. I liked what I've seen from him. So, no, he cannot replace him. It's going to take a group effort, but the Bears can definitely do it.
0: See, I think so too, yeah, especially in terms of stopping the run because when you look at the Vikings' success, it's been to the left side, either to the left shoulder of the left guard, uh, which is right between the guard and tackle. Uh, right there, they're averaging seven yards per pop, which is tops and that's they're sticking to that area of the field the majority of the time and on top of that the majority of their big runs of 10 plus have came on the left edge so maybe the pressure's less off the defensive line and more on guys like Leonard Floyd, Khalil Mack to loom and kind of stop those set that edge make sure they can't set it for you but you stay there to crack down on it And then for the defensive line, I I trust Nick Williams and Abdullah Anderson to do one job. I mean, I I can see them doing more than that. But for me, what's really important is gap integrity and eating blockers. Because if you do that, Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan will have a good time, uh, you know, flying to the football. And I've seen Minnesota's zone blocking scheme do very well this year. And it's a big reason why they're rushing the ball so well because they can reach that second level with ease. So they do need to disengage blockers and things of that nature. But I do believe... Even if Hakeem Hicks is out, the Bears can survive. But I know saying that, there's going to be a challenge for everybody on that defense because that is a tough battle. But when you're looking at it, look at the left side of the offense. That's where 63% of all their rushing yards have came from this year. So that's going to be, like the to me, not an X factor, but a very pivotal part of the Bears' chances of stopping the run. Anything else in terms of stopping Alexander Madison and Dalvin Cook?
1: You know, you you mentioned a really key point because they like to run a lot of that zone, outside zone running scheme, similar to what Green Bay will run with their offense and Aaron Jones. But the key on there is just staying within your lanes and having those linebackers flow to get into the backfield, to make tackles for loss on these running backs. And when you have a Dan Trevathan and Roquan Smith, that makes your job as, you know, just a defender so much easier when you have guys that know where they're going and hit the hole hard. So it's not going to be an easy, it's not going to be an easy day whatsoever for either of these two running backs for the Minnesota Vikings. Just remember the last matchup uh, Mm -hmm. in Chicago, Nine carries, 12 yards for Dalvin Cook. And, of course, Akeem Hicks had a huge game. So if he's not able to go, obviously he'd be missing that. But still, they did not have success in that one. They didn't have much success in the last game of the season, 2018. It's a tough place to play at, especially at Soldier Field, with that crowd's going to be rocking for a division rival. But it's not going to be easy, even if uh, Akeem Hicks can't go.
0: Right, and this is strength versus strength. Because the Bears' defense, they allowed the fifth, the fifth, the fifth-least amount of yards on the ground each week, only 69.7. And to me, how well the Bears can stop the run, just like how well the Bears' offense can establish it, could be the deciding factor in this game because if the Vikings run it like they have been, they'll be playing the game they want to play. But if the Bears can stop them on the ground and force the Vikings to do what they've been avoiding to do all season long, and that's to put the ball into Kirk Cousins' hands, those $27 million hands that they don't want to even use (laughs) I mean, and you're doing exactly what we want here in Chicago. And so for me, when you're looking at strength versus strength, what usually happens, the defense wins. And I think the Bears have proven this last year with like a Todd Gurley time and time again. So for me, I know Akeem Hicks, I think knowing a Hicks, even if he's a game time decision, I bet you he suits up. He may not play, you know, all the snaps, but he'll be out there, especially in some key situations. Uh, But yeah, that's kind of how I look at it. So for me, the Bears need to find a way to make Minnesota kind of grind it out, find a way to, because I think they're going to stick with the run regardless. So make those attempts lead to small results. And then if they do that, it should allow the total yards to go down and then maybe they have to abandon it. But I don't envision them. Uh, completely abandoning it whatsoever. But the fact that they rushed for about 194 yards per game, still on the stat sheet, is alarming. And on top of that, Dalvin Cook has not rushed for less than 110 yards by himself in any of these three games. So, Nick, if 110 yards has been Cook's basement, mm-hmm. what would be a win in your book? If, like, if you can keep him under X, the Bears should still find a way to win this game. And I know game flow has a factor in this, and it's hard to tell here on a Thursday night. But if you can just put a number, like if you had to put on the bulletin board, we need to keep Cook under what in order to win?
1: I would say if you can keep him under 100 yards, you're going to be able – because I don't think that's obviously enough. uh, You haven't established a run maybe throughout a game because it's going to be close throughout. And I think if it's close, you're going to give Cook those attempts. But if you can keep him under 100, maybe like even in the 90 range – you're going to have to allow Kirk Cousins to win you the game. And we all know, just like Bears fans know with Trubisky, Vikings fans know with Kirk Cousins, that's not what you want. You, that's not the strength of their, both these teams right now. So I think if you can keep them in that 90 range, don't let them go over 100, you're, you're good. You did your job because they have been running the ball effectively. And if you definitely don't have a Akeem Hicks, that's, I think, still a win. In the Bears book because this is a good running football team. They're gonna establish the run, they're gonna to commit to the run for the entirety of the game. I just see this being a close one throughout. So I think if you can keep it right there, 90 yards, you're you're in good shape.
0: I have my goal. I'm a little stingier. I'm trying to keep that thing under 70. And I think the Bears defense can do it. Cook is electric, he's a great running back. But how well the Bears swarm to the football and it's a team effort, they fill those gaps. They have integrity. They don't over-pursue. I think that's going to really bode well for the Bears this week. And like I said, we've seen it time and time again over the last two years. This Bears defense is hard to run on them. And I do envision that being the case here on Sunday. But moving forward, and I've already mentioned this, but the Vikings do a great job of making sure that Kirk Cousins does not get pressured. He's only been pressured on 52% of his dropbacks. That's second least in the NFL. He's only been sacked two times this year, which is only on 5% of his dropbacks. And those, by the way, two sacks given up and only uh, 5% dropbacks being sacked. That's best in the NFL. Uh, But obviously we need to bear in mind that Cousins, he's only dropped back to pass 69 times this year. We saw Trubisky do two-thirds of that week one. And that 69 times, that's 29th in the NFL. Only Ryan Fitzpatrick has less dropbacks than Kirk Cousins out of quarterbacks that have played three games. So even though the Bears may not get many pass rush attempts here Nick, do you have any favorable matchups on your radar?
1: Oh well, I'm seeing I don't know if it's a 69 or it's a 63, maybe just wanted to say 69. Well, but um I didn't <laughs> I've seen 63 over here on ESPN, but uh sorry, I was I was just so focused on that. favorable matchups along can you repeat all that again? I was just so yeah. distracted. <laughs> wow.
0: I, I, you need to get your head out of the gutter. By the way, use ESPN. <laughs> I was using PFF advanced stats, not grades. I don't don't yell at me. Uh, I know grades. We don't talk about grades because grades don't matter. But I do like their stats. So that's where I, those came from. Um, but yes, I said, even though the Bears obviously aren't going to get many pass rush attempts and the Vikings offense line has been good at limiting pass uh, pressures on Kirk Cousins, A, because he doesn't throw a lot, B, because they've actually been playing good. Do you have any favorable matchups up front for the pass rush? You Thank got you. It?
1: Thank you for, yeah, I got all of that. I was focused. So if I say Listening. 69, your mind's gone again. What were we just talking about? No. Yeah, exactly. uh, all right. Uh, one of the matchups that I do like is Garrett Bradbury versus who? Well, if it would be a lot better if it was Akeem Hicks in that nose tackle position or Eddie Goldman, Garrett Bradbury being that center, being a guy that's going to get most likely get some stunts thrown his way. And look how James Daniels has kind of struggled a little bit here and there this season. Right. And being, I think, one of the better offensive linemen. If Garrett, if he's struggling, maybe the same could be said for Garrett Bradbury. So that's whoever's in front of him. Watch the stunts that are going to be thrown his way, because that could be a key for this Bears defense. Getting that pressure that hasn't really been there, in Kirk Cousins, especially if you come in the up the middle Kirk Cousins isn't the most mobile guy. We all know that. He's a guy that is also fumble prone. So if <laughs> oh, that's, he is that's an
0: understatement.
1: Start, yeah, so he will fumble the ball regardless of who's at air or Khalil Matt, whoever it may be. So if you can get that pressure up the middle and if Garrett Bradbury's not able to diagnose where blitzes are coming from or where the stunts are coming from, that's going to be a huge win for this Bears defense. It would help if Akeem Hicks is the one doing the stunt with maybe a Leonard Floyd or whoever it may be. But that's a guy I'm really watching out for. All right, for me, I'm
0: just looking at, A, the interior, because you mentioned that's kind of their weak point all the way around. I don't know who would stand out for the Bears if Akeem Hicks is unable to play in terms of pass rush. Uh, and then when you're looking at the Vikings' tackles, they've been stupendous this year. Only five total pressures allowed between both of them combined. Another WTF moment that I had for happened to show, I'm like, really? Five? Three games? Five? That's nuts. So obviously it's going to be tough sledding for our edge guys, but then again, it is Khalil Mack. He's as good as they come, so he always has a chance. Doesn't matter the competition, but guys like even like a Leonard Floyd, or if you want to go the peg down with Aaron Lynch, Isaiah Irving, because they've been subbing in a lot. Watch out; they may be having their hands full. So for me, it's not really any favorable matchups besides wherever Khalil Max at any given time, because if he can get close to Cousins, knowing what Khalil Mack can do, getting after footballs and Cousins, his uh, you know what ability to just to cough him up willy nilly. I like the chances there, and we've seen that before here in Chicago as well. All right, so we know that the Vikings playmakers, obviously we know them well. We play this team twice a year, and it just happens. But we've seen plenty of Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, Kyle Rudolph. Uh, but due to the Vikings' anemic passing presence, they haven't found too much success through the first three weeks. Neither of these players are averaging more than 58 receiving yards per game. But still, they're dangerous players that you can't sleep on. So, Nick, do you have any matchups that you are kind of keeping an eye
1: on? You know, they like to use Adam Thielen a lot just move him around the entire offense, whether it is in the slot or outside. So you got to see what Buster's. This is going to be a really tough matchup for Buster Screen or wherever Thielen's on. He's a really savvy route runner. You have that uh, just the duo between Diggs and Thielen probably arguably one of the top five wide receiver duos in the league. They just haven't done as much this season because they've been so run heavy. But I'm just really watching what is Buster Screen going to be able to do. You saw Emmanuel Sanders just a couple games ago, a really good route runner as well. So, And he did end up in the end zone and was able to get some yards against the Bears. Adam Thielen is definitely capable of doing that as well. So if it is in the slot, definitely Buster Screen and Adam Thielen. Or if they put Thielen on Prince of Mucamara, who – I don't think it's really had that great of a season. There's a lot of penalties, uh, has let some people get behind him. It's really whoever they line up over there in Prince because I'm just not, uh, not liking his game so far this season. But, yeah, they definitely have two capable wide receivers. Whether they actually use them is a the question because they've just been so reliant on the run.
0: All right. I mean, you want to just take the rest of the show? If you're going to just keep taking all my talking points, Adam Thielen, Buster Screen, you hit on it. Uh, Thielen, most productive slot receiver for them. It's about one quarter of his snaps come in the slot. He's having a passer rating of 150 when he's targeted this year. Another wow moment for me when doing this. Uh, So either he's in the slot or he's primarily going on the uh, defense's right side, the offense's left. So he would draw a lot of Prince and Mukamara this year. And Prince, he's allowing 120 uh, in terms of a passer rating when targeted, which is... Not a great moment. Like you said, not having his best season so far. And then Stephon Diggs against Fuller is a gimme. Uh, Fuller is the most targeted bear yet again on this defense, which is crazy. Year after year, teams don't learn their lesson. He's only having a pass rating of 74 when allowed, uh, when pressured, and then, or targeted. There we go. Get my words in order. And then Dalvin Cook, Roquan Smith, to me, is actually going to be a really fun matchup. Uh, Dalvin Cook, he's hurt on the team in targets. He's catching 90% of them, and he has over 100 yards of yak this year. And so for me, as much as it is Roquan in coverage, it's Roquan's ability to close in a hurry and make the tackle. Because if he can do both those things, Dalvin Cook's damage as a receiver should be limited, just like he is as a rusher. You want to close in in a hurry and limit the yards after contact, yards after catch. So in terms of receiver, Dalvin Cook, Roquan Smith, I mean, you brought in a speedy guy like Roquan for a reason. And I think that's why, right now, for those one on one matchups with running backs like Dalvin Cook. All right, Nick. Anything else on the Bears' defense, Vikings'
1: offense? Just uh, I would want to see the Bears do what they did in that game at at Soldier Field last year. Kind of just let, bait Kirk Cousins into some of those throws. You saw the interception by Eddie Jackson. He knew where Kirk Cousins was throwing that ball on that corner route to Laquan Treadwell, who they just brought back because they have no wide receivers on that team for the Vikings. But that's that's the recipe for success. You want... To put the ball, the game, the, the ball in Kirk Cousins' hands, one because he'll probably fumble it. Two because he's not the strength of that Vikings team, even though he's getting paid a lot of money to be. It's more so now he's just—it's crazy. It's like almost like a very, very expensive game manager that is not the best at his job. So that's what—that's what you essentially want to do. Let him beat you. You have two safeties that are capable of going, you know, sideline to sideline, showing just great range. And it's going to be tough to find those windows in this Bears defense. Most likely, I think he would, well, again, most teams are targeting Kyle Fuller for some reason, but I think it would be easier if to target Prince. But that just hasn't been the case. So we'll see. That's that's the game plan. Let Kirk Cousins try to beat you. If you do that, the, the favor is going to go in the Bears defense.
0: This actually leads to a question that I would like your opinion on. All right, so obviously the Vikings run the ball a lot and they don't really rely heavily on the pass, would you be comfortable putting like a haha in the box for the majority of this game to try to slow down the run and do single high with Eddie?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because you trust Eddie Jackson to just roam around uh center field because he did that a lot last season. And of course the Bears also had Adrian Amos back there. But this is a game where you can you can have it interchangeable, honestly. Those two guys I trust either one back there. And Eddie Jackson has really improved as a tackler from this season just through three games and what we saw in his first two years. So again, that's that's the benefit of having a safe two interchangeable safeties that can do They both play the same position, essentially. So I would be in favor of just bringing one guy down and just right before the snap, changing them. So you never know which one's actually going to stay high, which one's going to stay low. That would be, again, another favorable matchup for this Bears defense.
0: Good stuff there, Nick. Thought you may like that idea. It just kind of dawned on me as you're talking about the safeties here. And so for me, red zone third down. Uh, Minnesota on offense, 66% of the red zone trips result in touchdowns. Primarily, they're running that ball heavily once they're in the red zone. I envision that playing in the Bears' favor, actually. I think when he gets into condensed field, I don't really see the Bears allowing some of these big runs in a red zone. And they're going to have to force Kirk Cousins to throw in a red zone, which he has one completion in the red zone. All year, one, and he's getting paid $27 million. Other teams have quarterback problems too. Chicago <laughs> on defense, 40% at sixth best. Only a teams teams scoring 40% of their time. Uh, third down, Minnesota, they're 14th in the NFL, about average, middle of the pack, only converting at 44%. And Chicago's defense, third in the NFL, allowing teams to convert on 23% of all third down conversions. But it's time to find out who has the edge. And Nick, you're up first. The Bears pass rush versus that Vikings offensive line. I may have just give you the hardest one.
1: This is the hardest one, and without Akeem Hicks, it definitely makes it harder. But when you have again a Khalil Mack and a Leonard Floyd, you're going to take that matchup regardless of the offensive line. Uh, and they played arguably two, you know, two of the better tackles in the league, and what the Green Bay has in. So I have to give it to the Bears. Again, I think this is this is the strength of this Bears team. Their defense, and regardless of the matchup and how, I guess, much Kirk Cousins hasn't been pressured, you still got to give it to the Bears, regardless if they have Akeem Hicks or not.
0: All right. For me, I have Bears secondary. Vikings pass attack. I'm going with the Bears secondary. A, they shouldn't be tested too often. Uh, B, I just trust that secondary talent. And even though the pass rush isn't, or won't be as effective, at least that's what we're assuming. Hopefully it is. Hopefully we're wrong. I just I just think the Bears have more talent there. I Thielen digs lots of talent, but that's about it for them. In terms of that passing attack, they're down, they're limited in receivers, and I think the Bears can come up with a good strategy to kind of limit them as well. And they haven't, again, only averaging like... The top guy is like 60 yards a game, and that isn't really overly impressive or, you know, concerning in my eyes, which leads to probably the toughest one. And I said that once, but I'm going to say it again (laughs) because I'm going down the list like, hmm, that one looks tough, too. Uh, The Bears run defense versus the Vikings ground game. And this one, I'll go and begin. I'll let you think about it, Nick, because I already kind of tipped my hand a little bit when I said strength versus strength goes towards the defense. I'm going to stick true to that. I believe the Bears run defense has a very slight edge just due to their uh, ability to be tenacious, group tackling, filling the gaps, everything I've already mentioned. I understand that the Vikings have done a great job running the football all season long, but that stops Sunday in Chicago and it can resume the week after, but they'll have a momentary
1: pause this Sunday. What about you? Yeah, this one, you know, again, could be a coin flip, but the Bears are at home. And I think that does matter, especially with the defense and how that crowd can get, just making it hard for the offense to maybe just on the snap of the football, you know, they're not going to be able, the Bears can be able to jump that and just be on time, ready to go, just fill those lanes. You have so many good defensive players. And I know, look, the Vikings have been, they've had success running the football. But I just think that come this week at Soldier Field, that's it's they're not going to see they haven't seen a defense like this. And, you know, they have played the Packers and they have do they do have a pretty good unit. But this is, uh, I think, a step above that, even though I guess you could say that the Packers outshine the Bears a little bit in week one. But this is a great unit. I have to give it to the Bears. All right. It's time
0: to figure out who's going to be the X factor for the Bears defense. And I'll begin with Roquan Smith. And I alluded to this earlier. This is going to be especially true of the Bears defensive line is it shorthanded and they're having a hard time at winning at the point of attack. We need to rely on a speedy guy like Roquan to really contain Dalvin cook, both as a runner as, and as a receiver. And on top of that, not just Dalvin cook, but Alexander Madison, when he's in there as well, this is really where Roquan Smith needs to earn his money, earn that first round status. And he's been playing great. But this is really the X-Factor. If Roquan has a hard time, the rest of the defense is probably going to have a hard time as well. So Roquan can really help out this defense by containing all the running backs in all facets of the game. But I really like Roquan's speed against like a Dalvin Cook. That's kind of, to me, like the counter move. And that's what I'm hoping Roquan to be the X-Factor for. What about you, Nick? Who's going to be your X-Factor?
1: I'm going to go Dave Trevaita for all the same (laughs) reasons you just said. I think these inside linebackers are so pivotal for what the Bears are going to do on defense against this Vikings rushing attack. You can't let these offensive linemen get to the second level, get in position to block these guys and create running lanes for Dalvin Cook and Madison. They cannot allow that to happen, and they got to be able to hit these holes fast and cover the backfield. So these inside linebackers, it's pivotal in this game. So you have to go... Again, you said you you did such a great job, Will, Thank you. of just Thank elaborating you. on everything they need to do. And it, it applies also to Dane Trevathan, who—and I got to see that one sack that he had where he looked away in Washington and then went over to go uh, get his That was pretty sweet. Kingdom. That was awesome.
0: All right. Uh, it's time to enter the final portion of the show, hand out some weekly predictions. Uh, take a couple moments first, though, before we get to them to talk about the third phase. Anything on your radar? I think the big one, and maybe again every week, is Eddie Pinero, Eddie Pinero, Eddie Pinero. And maybe you, you can, I'm sure Nick's going to go, old hey, well, Cordero Patterson used to play for the Vikings, and I want to talk about that, if I had a guess. If I had a guess. But really, Eddie Pinero and uh, his knee right now is the big ticket item when it comes to the Bears special teams. Right, Nick?
1: Yeah, that pinched nerve, and you saw it on every kick. Well, he's not even doing kickoffs right now. It's Pat O'Donnell, so... It, that is uh, something to definitely watch for and see how that plays out. But the Vikings, I don't even actually know who their kicker. It, it's Dan Bailey, correct? Yeah, Dan Bailey. Mm-hmm. They've had their they've had their issues with kickers as well in the past and this season. So, I guess you'll see which kicker can not lose them the game essentially. So, which is not usually the best case, but yeah, definitely watch both these kickers in this one. Pinchner for Pinheiro and Dan Bailey, who's already missed a field goal attempt this season against that was Green Bay. So. Got to watch for both those guys.
0: And Eddie, he did miss one too, but again, I'm not going to sit here and talk about every missed field goal on the season, but with the knee, I couldn't even fault him. He's, he's a trooper. He's really pouring his heart into this thing, which is the anti of anything we've seen out of any kicker in Chicago for a couple of seasons since Robbie Gold. So for me, it's, Hey, he's out there. He's fighting through the pain, through the injury. He can't even step properly and he's still drilling these kicks. So for me, it's nothing on him. Anything else on special teams that you think could either make or break the game, or anything in general?
1: Uh, I think punting is going to be really important in this game, especially if it's close matchup with uh, with Pat O'Donnell just being able to pin this Vikings D- or Vikings offense in you know within the twenty. Or and same thing goes for the Vikings punter Colquitt. I think it's going to be a back and forth game, very close. So field position is going to definitely be a factor in this one.
0: All right, let's go ahead. Let's start with our predictions. And let's begin like we always do, Nick, with our bold predictions. And you were very close last week. I told you when you were putting, I forgot to tell you when you put your little clip on Twitter, you should have just cut your bold prediction off when you had it right. And then no one would have known. But it's okay. You're close. I was close. I had three touchdowns for Trubisky. Yeah. He didn't get my 300 yards, but I was close as well. So let's keep this hot streak going. What's going to be your bold prediction?
1: Well, I had success with former players doing well against, you know. The <laughs> Here team. we go. So I have to go with Cordell Patterson. X. Yeah, I'll just do a receiving touchdown in this game. It's not uh-huh. crazy out there, but I there's just no there's really no opportunity for kick returns in this in the game nowadays. It's every single one goes out of bounds, and it just does. It rarely ever happens. So Cordell Patterson receiving touchdown. So that's not very crazy, but that's what I'm going to predict for this week.
0: Okay, mild prediction from Nick. I'm going bold. Don't worry, everyone listening. I have the Bears finishing with 150-plus rushing yards and three combined scores from running backs. It doesn't need to be three rushing touchdowns, but three scores from running backs this game is what I'm envisioning on top of 150 yards on the ground. Like I said in the top of the show, Mitch's two wins against Minnesota, we've had over 100 yards on the ground, and this needs to happen. It's just part of the formula here this week. But let's go ahead. MVB predictions. Where
1: are you going? I have to go on the defense, and I'll actually go with your guy, Roquan Smith, though. I should have went think, first. Yeah. Um, I think it's a guy – this game is set up for these inside linebackers to have a huge day. And I think just – look, Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan, both fantastic players, but I think Roquan's just got a little bit more when it comes to blitzes and just being able to get to the silent cover on the backfield. So I think when all said and done, when you have to contain Dalvin Cook in this Vikings rushing attack, Roquan Smith's going to be one of the focal points, and obviously the whole defense will, but Roquan Smith's going to have a huge factor and just have his blueprint all over this game, and I have to go with him for the MVP. Cop out. All right. For uh-huh. me, Roquan Smith as well. I'm not going to change it on the fly here.
0: That's why I think it's going to happen. I'll stick with it. I do have specifics. I have him finishing with at least 12 tackles, three three tackles for a loss. He's going to have a forced fumble, and he's going to make sure Dolphin Cook doesn't kill us. And I think if he can finish mm-hmm. with something like that, he's going to be the mvb when it's all said and done but let's go ahead let's move forward time for our game prediction who's gonna win we're tied we're two and one each are we ever gonna pick against the bears we'll figure it out but as of right now you can change that uh who's gonna win nick
1: Uh, So this is going to be a back and forth game. It's going to be close division, second division game. And the Bears need to win this one if they want to stay in the race. Obviously, Green Bay is playing right now against the Eagles on Thursday night football. But I'm going to give it to the Bears. 17 to 10. Close game. One score game. But the Bears are just going to have to rely on that defense in the end to just win them the game. And it's going to be a close one. 17 10 Bears. Cool. Cool.
0: Uh, For me, close one, and all the reasons you said. 17, I have 13 in my notes. (laughs) 17-13 Bears. Uh, To me, it comes down to two defenses controlling the game, and it won't be pretty for any offense, but the Bears, I think, are going to do enough at home. And to start this year, I laid down my cards, and I said Super Bowl aspirations. we got to get there. And good teams and teams that want to make deep playoff runs – you got to find a win the game. And that's why last week, you know, it doesn't bother me too much. Or even the week against Denver doesn't bother me too much. You find a way to win. That's all that matters. If they win today, well, not today, but Sunday, you're 3-1 after the first four games, you're in a pretty good spot, even though the NFC North itself is difficult. Uh, that's still a really good spot. But it's got time for our confidence meter and final thought. Nick, I'm going to go first. And I want to preface this by I already had this in my notes. I can show you. You can look at my edit history. My confidence meter is 6.9, and I am not making this up. It is the whole, it's what I put because I didn't want to put a 7, but I didn't want to put a 6. So I was like, yeah, hey, we'll go right underneath. They didn't even know it was going to be a thing today, but now it is. So for me, 6.9 is my confidence meter. Uh, so for me, it all kind of comes down to which quarterback I can't not laugh right now, though, because of the irony of this all. But really, it's going to come down to which quarterback uh, kind of can avoid the big mistakes. Cousins and Trubisky, they've had their fair share of them. Um, I expect Cousins, who's on the road, going up against against a winning team, he's going to struggle. History says he's going to struggle. And I'm going to trust, you know, history in this one being on our side. And I'm going to readily accept that fact this Sunday. Uh, The Bears' defense, I anticipate them forcing Minnesota to put the game in Cousins' hands more than they were going to like because the Bears' defense is going to find a way to limit their rushing ground. On top of that, the Bears offense, they keep adapting. And I have mentioned this too, each and every week, they're they're an entirely different unit. You never know what you're going to get. It's almost like a box of chocolates with the Bears offense nowadays. But they adapt to their environment, and they do enough to win the game. It may not always be pretty. It may not be always magical, but they do enough to win the game. And I believe this week that begins with sticking to the rushing attack, like we did in Denver, and then put Trubisky in magical spots that aren't too predictable because if you put him in predictable passing situations, that's a terrible spot and that's not going to happen. And if all that happens, the Bears should be on top. But the main takeaway is 6.9, Nick.
1: 6.9. Well, I, was, gonna, I was going to start my uh, confidence mirror with 6.9 as well, just to bring that all uh, full circle one last time. But I'm going to go 7. And the reason why I'm just a little bit ahead of yours, Will, because uh, I mean, 6.9 is your thing, apparently. But it's because... <laughs> So the big thing that we did, we I should have mentioned when we were talking about the Vikings offense and Bears defense, they gotta, they have to limit the big plays with the Vikings. They scored a lot of touchdowns this season with big runs just from Dalvin Cook. They don't do much in the red zone, but I think this Bears, this Bears defense through three games has been pretty good at limiting big play uh, opportunities for opposing offenses. But that'll be the key in this one. If the Vikings can score on those big plays, and then you put the Bears offense behind. Then it's kind of more reliant on Mitch Trubisky to find dink and dunk and try to maneuver through this Vikings defense. But I like the Bears defense being able to limit the Vikings and these big plays. And that's why I'll just give it, you know, 0. 0.1 ahead of yours there. 6.9 for Will, 7 for me. Cool. All right. <laughs> uh, Nick, this is episode
0: 399. I don't know if you know that.
1: I actually saw, I think it was Tristan put that in the chat. Crazy. Three hundred ninety nine. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of shows. That's a lot
0: of podcasts. There's a lot of time and effort in this show. Absolutely. Are you excited, though? Uh, I know for those on YouTube, I'm dropping the five matchups tomorrow on Friday as expected. If you're listening to the podcast, as soon as I give the whole Bear Down Chicago, we're actually going to transition to Will Ingalls' five matchups to watch this week because I want to be a part of that 400th episode. I've been here since episode one, not poking at you, Nick, just stating fact. So for me, I just wanted to be here in episode 400, and I thought it'd be perfect as was a post-game show, so we're going to kind of condense uh, this week's preview, which saves you a download as well, so you can just kind of, if, if you want to take a break and pause and come back later, uh, that's good as well, but YouTubers, you have to wait one day, so patience is a virtue, but Nick, on our post-game show, I'm going to ask you for 400 reasons why you love the podcast, so some homework for you, because that's not going to bog down the show or anything either.
1: No, not at all. I didn't do the last homework you gave me, so we'll see if that happens.
0: Yeah, no, it's not going (laughs) to happen, but I do want to appreciate everyone here. Again, 400 coming up. That's a huge milestone, and something when I started this podcast as an undergraduate at Indiana University, doing this for an internship, just for a project, I never knew that this was going to grow into what it has become, so I really do appreciate you, and I say that every episode, but I really do. Without you guys listening, we really wouldn't be here. We'd just be two Bears fans, talking football. And I mean, we still kind of are, we are actually, but you give us a little bit more purpose. And so for that, we are definitely appreciative, but uh, yeah, Nick and I will return on Sunday afternoon for our post game show. I do hope you have a great weekend. And at the time of this re- time at this recording, Uh, The Packers are playing, so go Eagles. Eagles. Is that what we're going for? Yeah, go Eagles. I don't pay attention to Thursday night football, and my fantasy team suffers as a result. (laughs) And now you learned a little bit more about me. But Nick and I, again, we'll talk to you Sunday, episode 400. But until then, bear down, Chicago. And now here's Will Ingalls with his five matchups to
2: watch. Thank you, Will, for bringing me on here to your pregame show to wrap things up. And I'm sure that you have spent the last hour or so talking about the importance of of this divisional matchup at Soldier Field. You can't afford to go 0-2 to start your divisional round, especially when both those games are at home. So without further ado, we're just going to kick things off with the matchups, and matchup number one is really going to set the emotional tone for this Sunday game at Soldier Field, and that's going to be Kyle Long versus Eric Kendricks. And and really, this that's the basis of this. Both these guys are emotional leaders on their team. Obviously, Kyle Long has been here for some good days and some bad days, and frankly, a lot more of the bad days. And despite that, he has been the emotional leader on this team. He has never let this team more or less bottom out. There has always been a sense of pride in Chicago football whenever Kyle Wong has been a part of this organization. However, his play has not really echoed that to that po- to this point in the season. Bill Zimmerman, uh, his podcast uh, with Windy City Gridiron Bears banter, uh, he had Olin Krutz on, and I thought they had a really good discussion how uh, to this point Kyle Wong has really struggled this year. He has not been the player that he's capable of of being there's some discussion whether age and his injuries are starting to stack up on him and whether or not that might be true, that he still has better football in him than he has put on the field to this point this season. And if you ask me, he's really that guy that helps that rest of the unit gel together. He's by far the most tenured player as far as a, Bears, uh, a Bears-centric player on that front five. And you're talking about a lot of younger guys on that side too. James Daniels and Cody White here immediately stand out to me on that. And you got guys like Charles Leonard Jr. and Bobby Massey who I think respond to that leadership that Kyle Long has. And frankly, he's that tone setter on that entire offense. And to this point, he just really hasn't gotten into a groove this season. So him getting off to a strong start will be important. And the reason I have him going against Eric Kendricks here is not that he might be uh, tasked to block him a whole lot, but he is that emotional force for the Minnesota Vikings as well. So it's all about setting a better tone than the Minnesota Vikings on this one because these are the two emotional leaders for when this matchup of Bears offense versus Viking defense goes on the field because Kendricks might not be the most talented player on that Vikings defense. Uh, frankly, I don't think it's a close match either. I, I think both Harrison Smith and Daniil Hunter haven't beat by a fair amount in the talent category, but Eric Kendricks is always that emotional leader, always has a nose for the football. Last three seasons, he's had at least 108 tackles, and that shows you he's always around the football despite the fact that he did not play all 16 games in the last three seasons. Uh, I think one of them he did, but overall, he's not playing 16 games and he is still easily breaking that 100 tackle mark. He has a nose for the football, and he is always kind of that tone setter for hustle and aggressiveness on that defense. So you have these two players. And it's going to be a, you know, the black and blue division is what they call the NFC North for a reason. And these two guys are really representative of that. And it's going to be up to them to set the tone, not only with their attitude, but with their play. And I really think the onus is on Kyle Long to, uh, to this point, kind of have a comeback game, a breakout game for him against the Minnesota Vikings. So very key matchup number one when it comes to setting the emotional tone for the Bears offense. When it comes to matchup number two, we're talking more about the X's and O's, more about situational football. we got linebacker Danny Trevathan versus running back Dalvin Cook. And when you're looking at that Vikings offense, uh, you want to criticize Trubisky for not really doing a whole lot. Well, Kirk Cousins' stat line doesn't give you a whole lot to look at either. Only 500 yards through three games and the exact same three touchdowns two picks that Mitch Trubisky has on his record. This dude is having the rest of his team carry him probably more so than Trubisky at this point when it comes to just being asked to throw the football and take daring risks down the field. Dalvin Cook is the second leading uh, receiver when it comes to hauled in receptions. And that's with nine receptions. That's that's brutal when it comes to an overall passing attack. However, most of the work for Dalvin Cook comes on the ground, and that's where he's very effective. 6.6 yards per carry on the season. That's obviously something that the Chicago Bears cannot allow. If they're taking away that running option, you're putting the game in Kirk Cousins' hands, which is obviously with the Bears' defense, especially at home, that is an advantageous situation that the Bears need to take advantage of. However... Sorry, however, they need to make sure that Dalvin Cook is stopped and that ground game is stopped to really get that ball in Kirk Cousins' hands, take away that play action, which will freeze linebackers like Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith. So it's going to be up to Danny Trevathan. And I think this is even more on Trevathan this week because he got a little bit of turmoil on that defensive line for Chicago. You still got Bilal Nichols out. Nick Williams had a great subbing game against the Washington Redskins. But now you have Hicks, who even if he's going to play against the Minnesota Vikings. He's going to be a little banged up. That knee's going to be a little bit tender. I still wouldn't want to play Akeem Hicks on his uh, tender knee. I would be terrified of that. But regardless, his effectiveness still may be a little bit handicapped with that knee injury. And as a former linebacker myself, you always make the defensive line in front of you right. So even if they're maybe sliding into the wrong gap, you have to close the space no matter what. And I really think this will be a tone setter uh, on Danny Trevathan's side. Uh, when it comes to making sure that ground attack for the Minnesota Vikings is sniffed out. That way, the game is going into Kirk Cousins' hands. On to matchup number three, we're going to have wide receiver Anthony Miller versus safety Harrison Smith for the Minnesota Vikings. And... Taylor Gabriel was really the guy that was the breakout person for the Bears last season. When you think about it, there are a lot of receivers who kind of have one-off big games for the Bears. And if you ask me, Anthony Miller is going to kind of be the guy that they want to get going against the Minnesota Vikings. I think he's able to take advantage of some corners that are getting a little bit older. And I think that when they take shots down the field, I think Miller around the seam area is going to be what they're looking for in this game. However, Harrison Smith is definitely a capable guy in the secondary I will never forget that he ended Mitch Trubisky's first attempted uh, fourth quarter comeback, fourth quarter uh, game-winning drive with an interception way back in 2017, ironically, at Soldier Field as well. That was a Monday night game. But Harrison Smith is someone who's obviously going to be king off of not only Trubisky, but also Anthony Miller. So it's going to be up to him making sure that he is selling uh, his route or at least trying to disguise his route. Making sure that Harrison Smith is thrown off in every way possible. That's making sure that every cut is on a dime. Trying to make sure that every single thing you can do to help Trubisky give him a more open throw... Uh, because obviously Harrison Smith is going to be someone who smells blood in the water no matter what quarterback is throwing the football, but obviously with Trubisky's slower start to the season, even with a bit of a bounce back performance against Washington, this is someone who he has played well against before, and he's going to be someone he's willing to take some chances on, so it's up to Miller to really be doing crisp routes and uh, giving Trubisky a chance to hit some bigger plays down the field, which will really open up Matt Nagy's offense overall. I think Miller, like I mentioned before, is going to be kind of that breakout candidate against the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, we've seen a lot of Bears have one game uh, one game wonders I think at Trey Burton against New England last season. You had Anthony Miller with a pretty good game against Seattle in Week 2 last season. I mean, you have Bears receivers in the past having really good single-game performances. I think Miller's turn is this time. I think uh, Allen Robinson at this point will always have a somewhat featured role. Six receptions last week for 60 yards, I believe. Uh, So he's always going to have a semi-featured role, but I think kind of the the big play guy and the red zone guy this week is going to be Anthony Miller. So that's going to be a big matchup, uh, especially when he goes into the deeper level of the secondary going against a guy like Harrison Smith. Uh, It's a really big matchup uh, when it comes to creating big plays, which has been a struggle for the Bears thus far this season. On to matchup number four, we have a positionally identical matchup, but we're just flipping the sides. Safety Eddie Jackson versus wide receiver Stefan Diggs. In a lot of ways that the Bears want to create big plays, I think the Vikings see the exact same opportunity with Stefan Diggs. I think he's a guy that operates a little bit better in uh, deeper routes than uh, Adam Thielen, although Adam Thielen obviously has shown that he is a great route runner. I think a lot of his work is better at creating separation uh, closer to the line of scrimmage. That doesn't take away from the fact that he can run deeper in either intermediate routes. I just think Stephon Diggs overall with that little bit of extra speed can make him a better deep threat overall. And that's where I see Eddie Jackson in almost a similar matchup that I had him in week one against Devontae Adams. This is all about limiting big plays. We don't mind giving up 5-10 to 10 yarders on occasion. And honestly, if we're going to have Kirk Cousins drop back and try to throw that 5-10 to 10 yard route every single time, that's, a, that's an opportunity I'm willing to give Kirk Cousins. I'm willing to let William Mack get another chance to go after Kirk Cousins. I'm willing to give Leonard Floyd another chance to go after Kirk Cousins. I'm willing to give Pagano another opportunity to craft a defense that will confuse Kirk Cousins. If we're denying the longer throws, if we're denying the longer chunks of yardage, we're keeping that Minnesota Vikings de- uh, sorry offense, if we continue to make them have... 10-plus play drives, I think that's ultimately a win for the Bears. That's more opportunities for this really dangerous defense to have chances against a quarterback that has really struggled to start this season and has honestly almost been collared by his offensive coordinator in a in a very run-heavy offense with very few chances being taken. If you look at Stephon Diggs at this point the season, only 101 receiving yards. That's obviously paltry. That's a single-game number for a lot of receivers in the NFL. That's Goodness, one-quarter production for uh, the Kansas City Chiefs receivers at this point. So, to this point, obviously, Stephon Diggs, I think, is a very good deep threat target. And it's going to be up to Eddie Jackson making sure that those deep threat targets are denied and even punished with interceptions or at least uh, pass deflections that will continue to discourage Kirk Cousins, make him hold that ball a little bit longer uh, when he sees Eddie Jackson in the area for those deeper and developing routes. And that, of course, gives guys like Khalil Mack, Leonard Floyd, Akeem Hicks, and blitzing linebackers like Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan a little bit more time to get home, which, man, they've been getting home a lot this season. So obviously a big matchup denying the big throws and big gains, Eddie Jackson versus Stephon Diggs. And on to match number five, our Game Breaker Matchup of the Week. This is going to be a bit of an interesting matchup in that these two players never see the field at the same time. But it will be Mitchell Trubisky versus Kirk Cousins. And this is all about, I'm not going to throw statistics at you. We know these quarterbacks have underachieved to start the year. Or maybe we're still debating over whether or not this is what exactly these quarterbacks are. They're just glorified game managers to this point in their career. I think at age 31, Kirk Cousins, this this is who he is. Trubisky, we're still debating whether or not that we've seen exactly who he is or whether he still needs some growth. Either way, these are are two quarterbacks at this point in the season that have disappointed, but it's going to be up to both of them against two good defenses. Obviously, Minnesota has a good defense and... I think everyone listening to this podcast is Bear Bear fans, obviously know what we have in our defense. And it's going to be up to these quarterbacks to create, whoever creates the most plays for their offense will ultimately win this game. Because we know what the defenses will bring to the table. It's going to be up to both of these quarterbacks to ultimately try to make some plays. It's going to be maybe taking that extra shot. It's going to be having the courage in their receivers to this point. We've seen them hold on to balls. We've seen them really launch uh, launch passes, especially their deep ones, to the point of being out of bounds that the, ultimately they're so safe that they, they just don't have a chance to even force a completion or even try to draw out uh, defensive pass interference calls. So it's going to be ultimately whichever of these quarterbacks nuts up in this game, for lack of a better term. And it's going to be interesting. It might be one that we don't really see who ultimately steps up until midway through the fourth quarter, or maybe even the end of the fourth quarter, but it'll be interesting to see which of these uh, quarterbacks, especially in this divisional battle, you imagine the Packers will be there at the end of things. The Lions are kind of a wild card at this point, but obviously the Bears and Minnesota uh, Vikings, it's going to be a matchup between which of these two quarterbacks ultimately kind of takes a step forward and kind of owns that, uh, owns this matchup between the two teams, at least as a quarterbacking standpoint is concerned. I think, uh, I think last season, uh, the game at Soldier Field on Sunday Night Football, I think Trubisky did enough to get that win. I think ultimately the defense obviously carried that with a big uh, defensive touchdown, but I think the big one was Week 17, where I think we saw Kirk Cousins with a playoff appearance on the line really crumble, while Trubisky, not, uh, not an amazing performance by any stretch of the imagination, but he made the plays that he needed to make. He made some big third-down conversions. He made some deep throws. I think of the first quarter deep throw to Taylor Gabriel that set up a short touchdown run by Jordan Howard. It's those types of big plays that are going to be important, and they're ultimately going to be the difference in Sunday's game. I don't see it being a high-scoring affair, but I see it being one of opportunistic plays being made by quarterbacks who are ultimately being protected by their offensive coordinator and head coaches to this point in the season. Who nuts up? That's the big question our Game Baker matchup this week. And that brings us to our weekly winning edge where we decide which matchup, uh, which player in each matchup has the advantage. So without further ado, let's bring it back up to matchup number one, our emotional tone setter. At this point, I'm going to have this going to Eric Kendricks. I haven't seen enough out of Kyle Long to this point to give him any type of credit or belief that I think he's going to turn around his play. I certainly hope I'm wrong on this one, but at this point, I don't see Kyle Long being the emotional leader, or especially at least setting the tone through his play that he's really going to need to against a very tough Vikings defense, especially, like I mentioned, guys like Daniel Hunter are monsters up front. They're really going to need uh, someone like him to step up, but I just don't see him doing it this week. I'm going to give this one to Eric Kendricks. Matchups in favor of Minnesota, one to nothing. Going to matchup number two, though, I have the Bears evening this one up. Danny Gervathan, I don't, don't get me wrong. I read the comments on YouTube. And I believe it was week two I had it as Roquan Smith versus Phillip Lindsay. I saw in one of the comments that uh, I'm not giving any love to Dane Trevathan. And I think at times, it's true, Dane Trevathan doesn't get a lot of the love. I think Bears, t- Bears fans take his overall just really stable and reliable play for granted. However, when you have a week against uh, someone like Dalvin Cook, who is kind of the lifeblood of their offense... I think uh, someone like Danny Trevathan, especially with a little bit of turmoil we mentioned earlier on the defensive line, a couple guys maybe rotating out, guys like Nick Williams seeing a little bit more playing time, I think we'll really see the greatness of Danny Trevathan to be able to help out the rest of his team uh, throughout the course of this game. I'm going to give Danny Trevathan this matchup edge. Bears even it up at 1-1. One and one. Going on to matchup number three now, Anthony Miller versus Harrison Smith. At this point, I'm going to have this going to Harrison Smith. I think overall, A, he's just a more experienced player. He's shown that he can really shut down any type of receiver, any type of deep route. I'm going to have this matchup going to him. I think Anthony Miller has the skill to win this matchup, but I don't think he's shown the consistency, and I don't think he's quite mastered the small parts of this game on a consistent basis for me to warrant the matchup going to him. I do think he'll be a featured part of this game plan this week, but I'm not sure he's going to be able to convert the big plays that are sent his way. I'm giving this one to the Minnesota Vikings who are now 2-1 in the matchups. However, once again, I do have the Bears evening things up. Eddie Jackson taking the matchup from Stephon Diggs. I think he has already struck fear into the heart of Kirk Cousins on that Sunday night football game last season that I mentioned just a couple minutes ago uh, with that pick six that really kind of sealed that game. I know the Vikings scored late to kind of make it a contest again. But overall, I think once Eddie Jackson uh, had a pick six off of Kirk Cousins and then having the symphony celebration in the end zone, I think Bear fans all kind of had a sigh of relief at that point. And I think we all saw uh, a little bit of Kirk Cousins uh, taking a step back. And I do think he'll continue to strike fear into Kirk Cousins, making him hold that ball a little bit longer, like we mentioned when I had the matchup segment on Eddie Jackson versus Stephon Diggs. I think he'll deny the big play, and I think I have to give him the matchup for that reason. Bear's tied up 2-2. And that brings us back to our game-breaker, Trubisky versus Kirk Cousins. And to this point, I have to give this one to Mitchell Trubisky. I have more faith in him to make the big plays when it matters. I think he's done that a lot in 2018. I think some of those late games that we didn't see the Bears putting up a lot of points on offense, I think Trubisky was quietly making some really big plays on third down. I think that uh, 49ers game specifically, in San Francisco, I think he was a lot better than people give him credit for in that game. Obviously, had a really bad mistake in the red zone, uh, nearly having a pick in the red zone. But I think that last drive, a lot of people don't understand exactly how good he was. He converted third down after third down after third down. And they were in that intermediate range between five and seven yards. I think Nagy will set up a lot of those situations for the Bears to capitalize on. And I think Trubisky... As we were talking about earlier, nuts up in this case. I think he's going to make enough plays for the Bears to get this pivotal divisional matchup win at home against the Vikings. That gives the Bears a 3-2 edge in the matchups. This is a a home game, like we've mentioned a few times here already. I think that also gives the Bears a little bit of an edge here. Of course, against the Vikings, uh, especially when they have two good defenses like this, I think this one will go down to the wire. I don't think it'll be a high-scoring affair, um, but overall, I'm looking forward to some good, old-fashioned NFC North black-and-blue division. Uh, a really good contest here with that kind of style and brand of football. So, uh, But overall, I do favor the Bears in this one with 3-2 to two win on matchups. Uh, but we will see. We get the lead CBS crew with Tony Roma predicting every play that will happen, so that will be something else to watch out for. But hopefully when we're speaking next time, the Bears take a step to 3-1 and one and even their division record at 1-1. One and one. However, until that time, bear down, Chicago. Hey, hey.